Welcome to the Fedora Project Podcast, Episode 1, The Fedora Project Leader Talk About The Project. Hi, my name is Elor Lucena, I'm from the marketing team from the Fedora Project, and I'm here with Matthew Miller, of the, the Fedora Project Leader, and we're talking about what is Fedora, how is the community, and talk about how the community works. So, Hi, glad to be here with you. This is the first of these podcasts here, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time of planning. Uh, hopefully, we can do several episodes. I'm excited so, to start out the series. <laughs> well, uh, we like to start big. So, Predator Project Leader sounds really good for the first episode. Uh, tell me about uh, the history of Fedora. How Fedora start? Um, how is this yeah. going? Okay. Um, so Fedora started about 15 years ago, really. Um, actually started as a thing called Fedora.us. Back in those days, there was Red Hat Linux. So Red Hat was a company, and they had a thing called Red Hat Linux, which you could either get for free or you could buy in a store, um, in a box, and get some support. But they weren't making very much money from And they, uh, their business plan was kind of like, maybe we'll sell t-shirts and hats. Um, which does not make for really a very successful software company. But it was a pretty popular Linux distribution and really one of the best ones out there. And so it had a big following. And meanwhile, uh, there was this thing called Fedora.us, which was basically a project to make additional software available to users of Red Hat Linux. So find things that weren't part of Red Hat Linux and package them up and make them available to everybody. And so that was started as a community project. Meanwhile, Red Hat decided that they needed a new strategy in order to actually make money as a company. And they decided that they were going to focus on the enterprise market with a, a subscription to a fairly high cost value add thing that um, has become Red Hat Enterprise Linux, which um, Red Hat's a multi-billion dollar company today. And so it's clearly, clearly a strategy that worked. But as part of that, they kind of, that, that, that enterprise thing is focused on very big companies and big institutions with a lot of money and very different needs from um, you know, small business, medium business, individual contributors, um, schools, and those kind of things. And also, uh, some of the values, you know, the things that make that valuable are uh, moving very slowly, very deliberate and careful changes and you know, 10 years of support, 15 years of support, that kind of thing, um, which is not necessarily what you want if you're you know, running on your laptop or running on your own you know, home server or you know, these days a cloud instance. Uh, so um, Red Hat at the same time, they, um, they merged with this Fedora.us project to form Fedora, the Fedora project that produces kind of an upstream operating system that uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux is derived from, but then moves on a slower pace. So uh, we had Fedora, um, and there was uh, were then two parts. Fedora Core, which was basically inherited from the old Red Hat Linux, and only Red Hat employees could do anything with. And then Fedora Extras, where community could come together to add things on top of that Fedora Core. It took a little while to get off the ground, but was fairly successful. But there was also kind of a lot of problems between um, just, you know where community fit in and who, who got to do what and who was special just because they worked for what company. Um, so around the time of Fedora Core 6, those were actually merged together into one big Fedora where all of the packages were all just part of the same thing. So there was no more distinction 
of core and extras. And so everything was all together. And more importantly, all the community was all together. And there wasn't a thing where it said, you know, if you work for Red Hat, then you can have these packages. If you don't work for Red Hat, um, you can only do the edges. So I've invited the community to really take ownership of the whole thing and for Red Hat to become part of the community rather than separate. Uh, and that was a huge success. It took a little while to take off, but that's kind of where we have Fedora as it stands today, where we have you know, a lot of core contributors who don't work for Red Hat and who really can make a difference in the project, um, which is awesome. And where we have something that's been, been a really good base for Red Hat Enterprise Linux 6, um, and now 7, and now you know upcoming. Uh, whatever number comes out of after 7 is, is on its way. <laughs> Uh, well, that was a, a huge step to the community, no? I, I mean, I'm contributor for almost three years now. I, I want to talk more about what is the mission of the Fedora as a community and as a project itself. Yeah, so we adopted a new mission uh, just, uh, last year or so, focus where we're going. Our, our previous mission was kind of vague and hard to act on. So um, I don't know if this one's perfect, but it's kind of a step better. So our mission is Fedora creates an innovative platform for hardware, clouds, and containers that enables software developers and community members to build tailored solutions for their users. So like all mission statements, that's kind of a mouthful. Uh, basically, the idea is um, you know, we build stuff that um, the community and other people can take and then take the users and say, okay, here, look, we solved your problem or we made something cool for you. And so we have kind of our big flagship things, our Fedora Workstation, which is a desktop operating system, um, kind of aimed at programmers, but good for everybody. And then we have um, you know, Fedora Server for use case and Fedora Atomic, which kind of fits the cloud and container case. Yeah, so we've got some of the big offerings, but then we have a lot of other things that I think are kind of neat. Like I think the, um, the Fedora Python Lab is a great example. This is something somebody took a bunch of the Python stuff in Fedora and put it together into like a virtual machine and a Docker container and things um, that can be used so that um, people teaching Python in schools have something right out of the box they can use that has all this nice, rich Python stuff available to them. So I think that's a really good example of something that our mission enables. Okay, that sounds really awesome. As part of a community, uh, I think one of the core values is that we can uh, take anybody in here. It's, it's not, it doesn't matter if it's a technician, a computer guy, or if it's a designer, or if even a doctor or anything. So, uh, but I think this is because we have something called the 4F, and I really yeah. like to you to hear about that. Yeah, the four Fs are the uh, four foundations of Fedora. They kind of they go hand in hand with that mission statement and kind of represent the values of our community and kind of underlie the mission statement. And it's kind of like how we do things and why we do things rather than you know what we're doing, which is what the mission statement is. So uh, the first of those is freedom. Actually, let me list them all. They're freedom, friends, features, and first. Um, so freedom is our dedication to free software and to content. So it's uh, not just free as in doesn't cost money, although that's actually very important because we want this to be available to everybody. But we also want everybody to be able to share Fedora and come and contribute to it and have their ideas have impact on things. And you know, when you get you know get that Fedora Python lab, you're free to do what you want with it and to share it and improve it. And um, so, software freedom is an important value of Fedora. Um, 
Then the second one is friends, and I think you kind of talked about that as well, really, because it's a everybody is welcome in Fedora, and we really are a group of people that you know work together to make this thing that is this piece of software. But to me, um, when you say what is Fedora, the thing that comes to my mind first is is the people, the project, and you know the people we you know meet at the conferences, we're online, you hang out on IRC, all these different things. Um, you know, chat. There's a big You know, Telegram community. There's all these different things that are um, that community of people is really what makes it work because there's a lot of software projects out there, um, but um, it's the people that makes it special. So I think Fedora is really cool. There, the, the Friends Foundation is important. Um, then features features basically means we want to have our software be useful to people. It can't just be that we you know um, uh, do the easy things or we, we are experimenting. Thing, uh, but we actually want to have a software that people can use to get stuff done, right? So it's got to have the, the features that users need. Uh, and then first, it kind of balances that. Fedora's mission is to move fast, to kind of be on the leading edge of operating system development. Um, you know, if you don't want to be on the leading edge, then something like Red Enterprise Linux or CentOS is probably a better place for you. Um, but sort of balanced with the features. Uh, we want to make sure that we don't just have the first stuff that doesn't work. We want to have the first software, you know, that has been tested by the community and actually is functional for people. So that's the uh, four foundations. Yeah, sometimes people call it bleeding edge because sometimes we have some yeah. stuff when it's really, really new. Right. So I really uh, want to stress. I really want Fedora um, to stay away from the bleeding edge, right? Like so. The bleeding edge is fine, and there are parts of Fedora where, if you want to be an experimental tester, you can be in that bleeding edge. It's available to you. But for most Fedora users, you should not bleed. You should be happy using it, and it should be functional and useful without um, without causing you know pain and your insides leaking out um, just because you're trying to use software. Um, We can say that is a bleeding for public and bleeding for testers. Yeah, right. Sure, that's true. You know, if you want to sign up to um, to be part of the experiment, then that's awesome and helpful. But um, well, I know a lot of yeah. people that use Rawhide, and they they have no problems with their software. So. Yeah, so Rawhide is our development tree, basically. Where I think there's a hat joke in there somewhere, like it's made out of the raw leather. I because you know fedora is a hat. Although you don't make fedoras out of leather, I I don't know where it comes from. It's from it was actually called rawhide back in the Red Hat Linux days, way before time. So, uh, but rawhide is the testing you know, development tree of it. So if you want to follow the very least latest of everything, right as developers put it into the you know, into the tree we're working on, um, you can run rawhide. And yeah, several thousand people do do that, and it is very very helpful because that uh, you know. Uh, Those people bleed, so the rest of us don't have to. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, when we talk about a community that is really big, like I think it's Fedora community, or when you have a project that is big enough, like uh, any software that is uh, out to the world, like Linux itself, they need to to have a structure to make it work. It's not just a lot of people doing post requests. So how these fit together? Yeah, so it, it took a while for all of this to figure out how how to make this work in Fedora in a good way as the project grew. I think originally the um, 
the organizational body in Fedora was the Fedora Packaging Committee that basically made, here's the guidelines for how to put together an RPM, which is fine when making add-on RPMs, you know, software packages for Red Hat, Enterprise, or for Red Hat Linux was the main goal. But as the community grew, and I think as the focus, you know, became to be more, this is Fedora as a group of people, not just a group, a collection of software, um, we needed to have some more and different governance. So first, um, we had the Fedora board, and I don't want to go. I won't go into the whole history lesson of it right now. But the, the, um, we've got it set up now. So uh, the top body is the Fedora Council, uh, which is about um, six people. There's uh, and then some auxiliary roles. That's kind of the top leadership of the project, um, and a couple of those are elected. Some of them, like mine, are appointed. Um, and you know, I, I'm paid by Red Hat to work on this full time, which is a, a wonderful privilege. Um, then others are selected from from the community um, by the community to work on a certain thing. So we have an engineering lead and a mindshare lead, and I'll talk about those in a little bit. Uh, and then we have a couple of elected positions as well uh, to kind of bring a little bit of democracy into it to balance the appointed roles and that kind of thing. And uh, this group operates by consensus, which is a process I'm really excited about. Um, I think it's an important way to uh, make sure that included in decision making. And uh, so uh, we don't generally vote on things in the sense of majority rules. We talk, if, there, if we have a decision to make, we talk about it and we try to come to agreement. And um, consensus doesn't necessarily mean that everybody completely agrees, but it means that everybody in the body everybody who works on it uh, feels good about the decision and they can say, okay, even even if this isn't something that I think is, I, I, I'm not sure I agree with this, but I respect the rest of you and I feel like, okay, I'm not going to block it. So we, and so, but then if somebody feels really strongly about something, they can say, okay, this is important. I'm going to block this. And then we talk about, you know, until we come, you know, come to some sort of thing that convinces that person or, uh, you know, we actually haven't come, hasn't come to a situation where we need to do that very much. Um, so it works pretty well. Uh, the important thing is that power um, you know, of consensus and blocking doesn't just belong to Red Hat or to anybody. You know, the elected people, the appointed people all have kind of share in this consensus making. So I think that's a really exciting, cool thing about the governance in Fedora in particular. Um, and then we have several other different governance bodies because Fedora is so big. There's something like 4,000 people who participate in Fedora some way every year, which is huge and awesome, um, but uh, would be too much for you know one governing body. Uh, so we also have a Fedora Engineering Steering Committee, which kind of works on the technical side. And then we have this new Mindshare Committee, which is just getting kicked off. They're having a, a, a activity day coming up in a few months. Um, and the idea of that is basically all of the things like marketing and documentation and the ambassadors and all of the parts of the project that aren't putting together the bits but are on talking to people and growing growing you know, the user base and the contributor base kind of in the, in the mindshare uh, domain. And yeah, I think uh, thankfully I was elected for, for marketing to be in the mindshare committee. So I'm really excited congratulations. Too. Thank you. I'm really excited too because uh, when we work at, in the community, we start to, to see that some things are kind of they were doing this way all the time and it works, so we don't want to do it other way. But other way can be good. 
sometimes. So Mindshare is going to, to put those, uh, all these teams together and say, hey, we need to figure it out if new will be better, or if old way is better, and, re and try to refigure it out how to work as a community. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I think um, because you know it is a technical project, we've had a lot of people come to all this from an engineering background. And so if you look at you know at the engineering steering committee and QA and release engineering, all of that was pretty well structured and it all kind of made sense. But then we had other groups uh, like the marketing group and the documentation and design and ambassadors who all kind of were in a little bubble and not talking to each other very well and doing duplicate duplicate things and the ambassadors don't necessarily know what the marketing strategy is and the don't get feedback from the ambassadors. And so uh, I'm excited Mindshare is going to fix all of our problems. Yeah. Uh, you just mentioned that you are uh, in a pay position by Red Hat as Fedora project leader. So what is the Fedora project leader and why it is paid by Red Hat? Yeah, so I've done this for almost four years now, which makes me the longest serving Fedora project leader ever. Uh, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, it seems to drive people crazy. Maybe I'm crazy to start with, so I'm immune or something. I, I don't know. Um, but so the Fedora project leader, yeah, is the um, named leader of the project. But um, other than my role on the council, I don't really have the ability to order people around because it is a volunteer project and even you know, nobody at Red Hat reports to me. Um, so I have to use influence to get things done and that's true with you know, volunteers as well. They try to show, you know, show some things that people can plug in into and mostly try and find out you know, what the community wants to do and enable people to get the most done and try and make sure that everybody is coordinated. Um, so, Sometimes you hear community positions like this referred to as herding cats or something like that. But I think herding cats isn't right for Fedora because it's not like it's my decision to take a bunch of cats and send them in a certain direction. My, um, it, it's a role where my job is to listen to the cats and figure out what the cats are trying to accomplish and what's getting in their way from doing it and kind of um, help enable the cats to all go in one direction together, um, not to herd them. So uh, that's kind of the role um, in as as project lead, and then I also serve kind of as a representation of the project to to Red Hat and try and help make sure that uh, Red Hat, as a company, understands we know what the project is doing and what we want and need. Uh, uh, just a quick question: Did you work for Red Hat before being FPL? I did. Yeah, I um, came into Red Hat. It was hired to work on Fedora Cloud. So I did that for a year or so um, before um, taking the FPL role in the previous role. A previous FPL, Robin Bergeron, was ready to move on. She went to Ansible and then what they you know, did awesome stuff over there as well. Um, but one of the things uh, she really experienced a lot of burnout is a pretty high stress role. And one of the things Robin did at, when she was leaving was really try and set up the role and the governance to be better for the next person who came along. And so one of the things she did is help get this um, role called the F-Cake, the Fedora Community Action and Impact Coordinator, um, set up. Uh, and that's Brian Exelbeard. And so his job is kind of community maintenance and making, and making sure that you know, people uh, all around the world are included in the project and that, um, you know, who we uh, have a healthy functioning community and that that community grows. 
Uh, it's kind of a role that might be called community manager in a lot of other projects. Um, but we don't like that name because manager kind of implies that you're, you manage two things. You manage employees or you manage problems, right? And so Fedora contributors are neither employees nor problems. So manager didn't sound like the right title. And um, I don't, we came up with the current one out of um, trying to find, it's not the best name, but Ryan stuck with it. He goes with F by F cake, um, uh, like, yeah. like the dessert. He's so. He's like a piece of cake too, so. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a great person. Uh, hopefully we can have him in, in one episode. Uh, yeah, I'm well, sure he'll be glad to do that. Well, right, uh, right now uh, we're talking about how Fedora works as a community, how is everything integrated. But for me, I entered the community because a beautiful person called Tatika, he's, she's a great, great contributor, a great ambassador in my country. But it's not easy to get inside the community, not because there is not accessible. There is a lot of tools we have now, what can I do for Fedora? that really is really helpful. But the, to get things together, see people talking in other languages, and, and, and there is a lot of tools in there, the Sanata project for, uh, for translation, or the docs that use ASCII doc, um, Git. <laughs> for people that is not uh, inside the computing world, like for example, a doctor, or maybe a lawyer or anything, how they can get inside this board of, of this. Yeah, so if you're not a highly technical person, how can you get in, in, involved in Fedora? Um, so, you know, it, it is a little bit hard. We have some and some barriers there. Um, I think one, one thing, um, the askfedoraproject.org, and that's actually something we are um, looking at. Right now we host that in our infrastructure. And we're actually working on a, a deal with the developer who lives in Chile um, to actually have him host the site and maybe do a little work and development on it. So this is a question and answers website that you can um, kind of, if you have problems, you can ask and get answers back. And so I think that's a really easy way to plug in because if you know a little bit, you can help a little bit and then it kind of can um, build up everybody's answers together helps, and that's available in you know um, several different languages as well. So I think that's a pretty cool way people can um, sort of plug in. Um, I think um, yeah, documentation writing is nice, although that's not you know kind of a technical skill as well. Um, uh, but I don't you know I don't I don't know. Part of this is figuring out with the mindshare uh, thing how we can address these users and use cases better and you know what what is the most useful thing for them and how people uh, you know, with a with the less technical background can plug in um, or um, you know if you have skills like design or you know, drawing or those kind of things user experience the, um, the, the design team is kind of a good place um, so I think uh, we also have I think a whole group that's the join fedora group and um, I think if you're interested but don't know where you fit, talking to those people um, might be the useful thing to do because they can say, oh, hey, I know. What are you interested in? What are your skills? Here's something you can contribute to and you can make a difference. Well, uh, for me, I can say that ambassadors is a great role because they are, or 
they are called to be the face of figurine of in the yeah. world. So I think uh, for people it's good to uh, know where is an ambassador in, in your country or in your place and try to get in contact with him. And we're trying to, to improve that communication with the people. And I think that Mindshare will help with this too, because uh, a hard part of being an ambassador is that you need to be social outside the world yeah. and you need to be connected with the technical project to know what is new, what is happening, what is, what yeah. is the software that is shipping. So I think uh, the ambassadors need a new, lead, a, a new leading way. And I think uh, I can remember that we are moving to a new paradigm of ambassadors. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we, we used to have the Fedora user and developer conferences, the FUDCons. Um, and we kind of got rid of those in favor of Flock, which is a, a Fedora conference that's very focused on internal, on the contributors and the you know, people who build Fedora and build the things around Fedora, um, which has been great, but we don't quite know how we're going to do user outreach. So that all kind of has to be reinvented. Uh, I think there's probably places at user-focused conferences that ambassadors could go. Um, and I'd really like to see people you know, take things they've done with Fedora and show them off at places other than Fedora-specific conferences. Like take, you know, if you've made something with Fedora, take that and, and show the people what you've made. I think that's a really good way to help spread Fedora. Well, I will invite you to the next Flissol here in Chile to see <laughs> I, I I would love to come sometime. I know I uh, I've been uh, trying to travel less than previous FPLs have because it uh, you know I'm I'm in my forties and traveling around the world is kind of kind of wearing me out. Uh, I, although I do I love to see other parts of the world and to see people everywhere. So I hope I do get to come there sometime. Well, One wait, of these yeah. years I will. In Latin America and Spain, that is Latin, but it's not Latin America. We have uh, a huge event that we call Flissol. It's a f uh, free and liberal install fest. When yeah. we held a lot of community together and it's quite big here in, in Latin America. So that's, the problem is that it's the only event that is being held yearly. Other events are just one event here, one event there. It's not a continuity. So there's not very, not many very, not very many repeating events. So Fleasol is kind of the center of energy. There's nothing yeah. like uh, the FOSDEM conference in Brussels no. every year in Europe. Um, well, there might be had, room for something like that. Um, had, I know. We had sometime we had, uh, 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 it's called it something like Latin PyCon or Latin PyCon or something, but it was the only two years and then disappeared. I don't know why. So Red Hat has a conference called DevConf that I just got back from in Brno in the Czech Republic um, that has been pretty successful there. And I know that they are starting to do one in uh, India and in the United States. And it may be something um, that if those, if those other replica conferences are successful, maybe Red Hat would be interested in doing an annual thing in Latin America. Um, it, Sounds like th there's room for something like that. I'll talk to the events people about that. <laughs> well, we have community here, so yeah, come to us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know that um, the Latin Fedora community is very vibrant, and I think has a lot to offer to the rest of Fedora and the rest of the world. So I think that's exciting. So um, 
As a last question, I want to ask you, what is the future in Fedora in the technical way and in the community way, in the two, in that two fronts? Yeah, um, so, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on. I think um, the thing I'm excited about at this moment, um, Red Hat just bought a company called CoreOS, which has a thing called Container Linux, and they have a bunch of stuff around uh, Kubernetes and um, sort of the container uh, orchestration ecosystem that is exciting to other parts of the company. I think the container Linux part is exciting to me because it's kind of related to um, Fedora Atomic. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. At the DevCon conference, there was a lot of talk about um, using OS Tree, that's sort of the base for Fedora Atomic, to make um, a better workstation that is more easy for people who are less technical to use and that can, can be kept up to date with safe updates and so that you um, don't ever have a risk of being having putting your computer to a state where you can't fit. Um, so that's pretty neat. I think we'll see a lot of things around that in the technology space. Um, in the community, yeah, the Mindshare thing is happening. We're also having a documentation workshop um, later this month. Um, that's going to be, I think, in Spain, in Seville. So uh, we're going to get a bunch of people in a, in a room in, in a lovely city, and we'll say, you can't see the city at all. You're in this hotel room working on documentation. Sorry. Uh, well, yeah, please, we'll have some... please, Brian, you don't hear any country <laughs> or any city. Uh, <laughs> so um, hopefully, um, no, uh, the idea is we have a new Fedora documentation site. Um, but it's kind of sparse, and we want to kick off this new site to have a, a good um, basic documentation there and get a bunch of people who kind of have the skills to use it so that we can kind of grow the documentation because that's a really an important aspect of Fedora that's been kind of languishing recently. So that's one of the big community things I'm excited about. Yeah, if, if I remember in the past, uh, the documentation was, the, was only the installation guide that is probably the same from version to version. This yeah, there's an, there's an installation guide and a systems administration guide and several other guides. They're actually very good, but they're kind of structured as books and they're basically made to produce, you know, here's a book that you can read and nobody wants documentation like that anymore because it's not 1995. And so even though these were re really well-written and useful books, like nobody was looking at them and kind of people uh, kind of would like more, you know, how to quick documentation. I want to do this. How do I do it? Sort of things or quick references. Uh, so we're, we're moving to a model that kind of has that as that look rather than the here's a book look to it. Uh, well, that's it. all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you so much, Matthew, to come here. I know you are a busy man. Oh, and, thank well, you for having me. I'm glad to do it. Okay, cool. Thank you for doing this. No, All thanks right. to you. Bye-bye. Talk, talk to you soon.